Kendra Sato is a coach and instructor for Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning's Certified Functional Strength Coach. She is a former competitive soccer player who learned from her own experiences with injury how to be a better coach to young athletes. She also works as a fitness model, having done promotional work for Rock Tape and can be seen on many Rock Tape products and educational material. Kendra is my guest today. What's up, everybody? My name is John Campioni, and this is the Rock Tape Podcast. All right, I am sitting here with uh, Kendra Sato. Kendra, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being here. You know, I was actually teaching this past weekend uh, for tape, and I was thinking about this interview uh, that we're doing as we're recording on on a Monday, and I'm like, Kendra's kind of like our cousin. I consider Rock Tape a family. Kendra's like our cousin that I see all the time at these get-togethers, but I never get to talk to you. So... (laughs) In case anybody doesn't know, Kendra is in a lot of our promotional material. You've seen her on the boxes of Rock Tape. You've seen her on the uh, Rock Band Flex uh, boxes. Also in a lot of our education slides. So if you've taken some of our courses, you have seen Kendra, but now you get to meet Kendra. So thank you so much for being here. I I do appreciate it. Um, I'm fascinated to know kind of your world with what you do in the fitness modeling, but also being a coach and some of the cool things that you're doing, working with Mike Boyle's group. Um, but more than anything, let's kind of get started in your background. Um, you were an athlete as growing up as a kid. What, what kind of got you into athletics and brought you into more of the uh, sports coaching world? Yeah, so I grew up uh, in Gilroy, California, which is a really great town to just keep driving through. Um, there's not a whole lot going on there. There's There's more now, but... Uh, growing up, there wasn't a whole hell of a lot to do. So did a lot of sports, but soccer was really the one that stuck. And <clears throat> I was definitely not good at it. And I started late. I started at 10. Most kids started at four and five. Uh, so there's a lot of catching up to do for some weird reason. I did stick with it. And it ended up kind of just being my thing. So played all throughout, um, you know, some elementary school, middle school, high school. Played for junior college in Cupertino, California. Um and at the end of that season, we went to the Cal State Final Four, and I got hurt. It was oh, a, wow. an overuse injury, okay. which is the worst, one of the worst ones you can get, Absolutely. Um, especially from that you know, kind of idiot, tough athlete mentality. Uh, I would have much preferred a contact injury. <laughs> uh, but I was running to cover on, on defense. I had a felt a pop. I didn't roll my ankle. I didn't step on anything funny. The grass was actually really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, for two weeks prior, I had felt like there was like a pebble in my shoe and there was never a pebble in the shoe. So there was no pain, nothing like that. And was running back and just felt the, felt the pop. And the only injuries I had ever experienced were, you know, lots of bruising and contact stuff, but mostly angles, ankle sprains. So in my mind, it was like, okay, it didn't make sense, but maybe I sprained it. First time in my life, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to get off the field. I got taped. I was never a, an ankle taper. I just, I couldn't stand the way it felt. Yeah. You're and talking about the rigid, like athletic tape? It's very rigid. Yeah. Um, to mobilize the ankle if you had a sprain or to at least give it a lot more structural stability. Mm-hmm. And so this is the first time I, I asked for tape and I kept it on, went back into the game, kept playing, come to find out, um, you know, through some tests later, it was a stress fracture, torn ligaments, torn tendons just overuse. Um, so I was in a big black boot for about six months, 
Oh, and surgery wasn't an option. No one really checked in on me. No one really told me what I could do other than keep the boot on. Mm-hmm. And as far as I was concerned, I was done. This was the first injury I had never been able to play through, fight through. My teammates, I didn't feel like were really there. I didn't feel like my coaching, um, my coaches were there. I didn't feel like the athletic trainers gave a shit. Um, they also had a lot going on. So, you know, but in my, my mind, my world was just, completely flipped upside down. I'm no longer a soccer player. It's mm-hmm. really all I could focus on. And then a, a good friend who was actually one of our coaches in high school turned kind of family friend needed, he was trying to get back into coaching and brought me on as an assistant. Mm-hmm. So the second I was out of the boot, I was on the field as an assistant coach for a youth girls soccer team. Um, pretty competitive out of Elmaden, uh, South San Jose. And that's what started the coaching career mm-hmm. coach soccer competitively for probably about 10 years and then I didn't have a straight path to being a trainer or a coach and uh, finding CFSE and all that fun stuff it was a very convoluted <laughs> journey um, because all I knew is that I wasn't going to be a professional soccer player coaching soccer is amazing and you can do well enough for yourself but you it's really hard to thrive yeah so it wasn't necessarily a career option i ever really wanted to pursue and um yeah that somehow in a very all over the place kind of way led me into strength conditioning uh and i think a big part of it and a big driving force behind the way i coach um whether it's coaching soccer on the field or coaching you know my clients or athletes or whoever it is i want to be the support system that i feel like i didn't have yeah 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 was there any particular reason why it was soccer out of curiosity? Um, a you lot of my friends it. were doing it, I think to start. So that was like the initial draw. Okay. And yeah, yeah, I don't really know. I think it was a blend of, I got to run. I was a midfielder and a defender. Mm-hmm. I got to run a lot, which was great. <laughs> I think that was the only thing I remember hearing that I did well. Like, Oh, my mom would tell me that the other moms, Oh, she's a pretty runner. Like, I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> I suck at the soccer part, but she runs well. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I remember it being really hard to learn how to be aggressive. Okay. So it's funny. A lot of stuff did not come naturally to me at all. And I, I really have no clue why I stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something that's overlooked in athletics now is, you know, I, I think, I think I have a similar story is I played sports all my life. I was mm-hmm. never the best. I had good seasons. I was always the kid who described with a lot of heart. And I think those are the kids who they aren't the best athlete on the field. They're not having the best numbers, but they're always in the game and involved in some way, shape or form. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you said something really cool there, just the support system that you didn't get. I think that's such an important thing for a lot of coaches to really get into. Are you starting to see that shifting a little bit more? as you work as a coach yourself and as you start to train with other coaches as well? Yes. And I think to be fair though, I've, I've had a really charmed uh, life in the, the coaching world as far as, you know, being a part of Mike Boyles and um, my mentor from West Valley who got us introduced into, you know, who Mike Boyle even was and most of the perform better speakers. Um, so that being said, I am already surrounded by a lot of people who really genuinely care wholeheartedly about the people they work with, whether it's athletes or um, clients. 
<clears throat> but I do see a little bit of a shift in, in that there are a lot more sport coaches trying to kind of dive into the training world. And a lot of trainers and coaches usually come from athletic backgrounds themselves. So they already have a little bit of a blend or at least an understanding of, of the sporting world. Mm. Um, so I think it's starting to shift a little bit, not as much as I'd like, <laughs> but yeah. You're starting to see, yeah, a lot of more coaching, even in kind of the clinical world that I live in too. It's more about kind of paying attention to that psychosocial aspect of the athlete. Uh, what sort of things do you do to kind of provide that support? Cause it's not all about training. It's not all about skill development. What sort of support can you provide to your athletes? I think a big part of it is initially when like an injury happens, for example, and I don't coach soccer anymore. I've been out of it for a couple of years, but when I was doing that, usually, you know, I'd have a conversation with the parents like, Hey, this is, if I was there, this is what happened. If not, this is what your daughter was telling me. This is, you know, it's probably X, Y, and Z. And not that I would diagnose, but it, Hey, you know, it sounds like she maybe did some uh, damage to her ankle or, you know, it sounds like she might've strained her quad or, you know, whatever the case may be. You do need to see someone who's qualified to make that mm. diagnosis. Um, but I, what I would tell them was like, it's great to go to your general doctor. However, they're not very well versed in or educated usually in acute injuries and then care of said injuries. So what even muscular injuries too. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they'll, you'll take some Advil and rest it for two weeks. I 15 minutes on 15 minutes off and that's it. And, you know, maybe you do need to take that step in order to get a referral out to someone who mm-hmm. kind of knows better what they're doing. But, you know, I would have people in my back pocket, like you need to go see these people, tell them specifically, I sent you, they will, you have to give them permission to communicate with me afterwards, but they will be in direct communication right away. And then we can have a course of action. And another thing that I really would try to drive home as much as possible is that if there is an injured part of your body, we can still do other things. Yeah. Good point. And I didn't, you know, that was, it, mine was an ankle. I could have done so much stuff and I just didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and that's what happens to a lot of people, clients as well. They come in like, Oh, sorry. You know, like I, my back's acting up today. I got to cancel. It's like, well, is it just your back or is it, is there other stuff happening as well? And like, no, no, it's just, you know, right here. And so if you're comfortable, there are other things we can do. You made the effort to be here. You're butt through the door. We can find stuff. I will not screw with your back at all. So if there's anything that even comes close to discomfort and or pain, let me know and we'll back off right away. But you can still get a lot of stuff done. You're not completely broken. A piece of you is injured. That's it. I like that. Yeah, that's really important for a lot of people to understand, you know, clinical sports world, it all works together is if you have one thing, you can always do something else in addition to it as well. You mentioned you work with the Mike Boyles group, the um, certified functional strength coach. I always screw that up. So I wanted to say it slowly. (laughs) It's Um, a mouthful. Yeah. But the CFSC is actually uh, something I, I, I took the level one course a number of years ago, and I really liked it. And what really appealed to me is, is Mike Boyle, and his group really had a different ap- approach to training. And it kind of goes along with what you were talking about support kind of goes along with what you were talking about with, uh, they do a lot about discussing about regressing and progressing athletes and making mm-hmm. sure you're staying within their uh, capabilities while you're trying to improve their skills. So how did you kind of start working uh, with that group? 
Well, I did an internship at Mike Boyle's, uh, I believe it was summer of 2013. Okay. So I had to go through the whole process. They, you know, asked you to send in a two minute video with no other information, <laughs> which was terrifying for me. <laughs> um, it was just, we want to see who you are. I'm like, Oh God, I don't, uh, <laughs> that was a whole ordeal in and of itself. But, uh, eventually I, I got the internship. I was one of the, I believe we had 24 to start. So it was the first big intern group that they had had for a summer internship at MBSC. And I just loved it. It was probably one of the scariest things I had ever done. Mm-hmm. And I almost quit actually on the first day. I got very, very close to quitting. Oh, right. Really? Yeah. I stuck it out and it ended up being just everything that he needed exactly when I needed it. And from there, I just, I didn't, they offered me a job at the end of the internship and my whole life is in California. Um, family, friends, was in a relationship at the time, all of that is California. And I also was not super, super young. I was 24, which is not, not young by any means, but to be an intern at 24 is a little bit on the older side ish. Um, and then making that transition to kind of grind it out all over again was not really something I could, I felt like I could do at that point in my life, but I really loved everything that I saw them do. I loved the way that, you know, the coaches interacted with clients, with one another, how programming was done, what the considerations were and the scientific rationale behind it. And I just knew I needed to, I, I just wanted to stay a part of it in some way, shape or form. And then the CFSC was born. And at the time, Kevin Larrabee, who's one of the ones who also helped create it and bring it to life, who's no longer with CFSC anymore, um, called and asked myself and, and one of my friends to if we wanted to volunteer to help teach it at Long Beach at the Perform Better Summit. I was like, oh my God, absolutely. This is what we just lived, first of all. So I know all the material without needing to study anything. And, and I get to work with you guys again. I was just ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after, and it went really well. It was super fun. And then after that, it was just kind of like any opportunity I had that was nearby. I was volunteering. Like, I just want to be a part of it. I want to help coach. I just loved it. And you're getting people who, you know, are professionals in our world, um, you know, and we don't always just get coaches. We get physical therapists or doctors yeah. or people who just want to know how to work out better for themselves. Yeah. They don't coach anyone at all. Um, and it kind of runs the gamut. I've had a couple of yoga instructors as well, and it's a really cool spread. Like, wow, this is great. So I had been volunteering with uh, local CFSCs for a while. And then last year, I finally got the guts to ask Brennan Rierick and Kevin Carr, two of the guys who created it. And I was like, can I be an official coach? Can I maybe start getting paid for this and like be on the team? And they're like, well, let's take it to the whole group. And uh, come to find out it was a, a unanimous yes. And then I was on the roster. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So I, I got to ask, because um, I know Mike Boyle's out in Boston, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so in, I mean, Massachusetts. okay. Right. Um, that, I mean, regardless, that's a very long trip too. So I was, I was mm-hmm. curious when you said it, you were almost ready to quit that first day. W- what was it? Uh, well, <laughs> so we drove to Massachusetts, did a cross country trip. And oh, wow. at the time they had an intern house for out of state interns, which was really, really nice. I don't think they have that situation anymore, but uh, you know, it's a three months unpaid living in 
Bill Ricca, Massachusetts, which is next to Lowell, which the only reason anyone knows what Lowell is because Jack Kerouac is from there, but uh, <laughs> not, not places to really write home about. And then you're working, you know, as many hours as you can four days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had, I only had about nine months of experience from day one as an, as a paid intern at the studio fitness studio I was first working at to day one on the floor at MBSC. And we worked in Los Gatos, California with general population clients, mm-hmm. most of whom were over the age of 40. Yeah. Most, we did have some younger ones, but for the most part, that's my, my population at that point. And, uh, I think I had, I had never seen a clean before and I didn't know what it was. So at MBSC, when you get started the first two weeks, there are no athletes in there. All the coaches coach all the interns. And then there, there was at the time an MBSC mentorship going on as well. So we had about 30 people learning the programs, going through it ourselves, getting coached, getting some reps in, figuring out the cues and, and movement. And they're like, okay, we're going to go to the platforms. We're going to do cleans. And I'm thinking cleaning. All I heard was cleaning. <laughs> and I'm thinking like intern cleaning stuff. Cause we had been doing a lot of that. Like, mm-hmm. okay, where's my, like, I gotta find a rag and like a spray bottle. <laughs> we go to the platforms and the bars are there and they're loaded. And I'm just like, Oh God, those are, I mean, my first thought was those are clean already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what we're doing. And then my second thought was, Oh shit. And I'm watching all these, uh, other athletes, sorry, interns, but a lot of them played collegiate sports at, you know, universities and stuff. And I played at junior college for one year. So I felt like I, I never claimed as a collegiate athlete, look at these guys doing hand cleans. And I just about crap myself. And then it was my turn. It's like, okay, get up there. I'm just like, oh freaked out. I think I did a rep and then I had seven interns all over me. Oh, you gotta do this. You gotta carry your wrist. You gotta, you know, you gotta go fast. You gotta jump. You gotta get into trouble extension. You gotta, da, da, da. And just, my brain is about to explode and yeah. freaking out. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't belong here. Mm. I've never seen this before. I've only ever used a bar in a landmine situation so that I could help my clients with shoulder issues <laughs> who couldn't go overhead. And that was kind of it. So I got way overcoached and very, very overwhelmed. And I'm with all these people who had degrees in, in, you know, kinesiology or physiology or, you know, just got their CSCS and played D1, D2 sports. And I'm just like, I don't belong here at all. I didn't play college sports. I didn't get my degree in that. I just, I'm nine months in, I'm in over my head. I should probably go home. And I went to the bathroom. I almost cried. (laughs) got my shit together and then went back on the floor and just tried to deal with the rest of the day. Yeah. (laughs) And I stayed, I eventually stayed. Pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. You said something (laughs) cool there though, about overcoaching. Cause that's the first thing I thought of. You said seven interns swarming in on you too. uh, You know, you've, you've gone through it. You've been established as a coach for a number of years and even working with the CFSC. Mm -hmm. Do you see a lot of overcoaching now? I, yeah, I do. I think the big thing is we forget as coaches what it's like to be in that person's shoes, client, athlete, or otherwise we, we get disconnected because usually, and this is all, you know, very general, but we tend to come from an athletic or a very physical background. Mm -hmm. So might not necessarily play team sports or whatever, but maybe I'm a rock climber or something along those lines. You have a, 
a much more in-depth understanding of how to use your body. Mm-hmm. And then we get with a client who, you know, lives in a sit position and maybe didn't play sports or danced instead or played music or whatever the case may be, or just hasn't done anything in a long time. And then we want to make it so perfect and so beautiful with all the best intentions, but we forget that that's a brain fry. You yeah. Should, you know, no more than three cues and they better be damn good cues to, to keep me safe and just start to paint the overall picture. But um, that is a huge thing I do see when I coach the CFSE courses is, you know, Oh, well, you know, the deadlift, it has to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be safe first. And then you can clean it up afterwards, but don't deter someone from it before you even get them going. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important, you know, sometimes you just got to let people do something because yeah. they got to get that feeling and understand, not even understand what to do, understand what they did and then point out, you know, okay, this is what we need to work on or change. Yes. You know, you yeah. can't gather information when you have so many, ear, uh, so many mouths talking into your ears. It's crazy. That's yeah. a really important point for any coaches out there listening too. is, you know, kind of keep the cues down, keep them What's some of the silliest, I have to ask, because I was a personal trainer for a number of years too, and I've heard mm-hmm. so many crazy cues. Uh, like what's one of the silliest like coaching cues you've ever heard, if you can think of any? Oh, I can't. <laughs> um, one of my favorite ones to get into full, you know, hip extension is um, eat your shorts. What? I like that one a lot. So if you, <laughs> I'm trying, if to, trying to like to finish a, a deadlift or... <clears throat> something like that oh, like think, make your butt eat your shorts i think I got um, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it came to me i understood now too yeah not the mouth that one's, <laughs> that one's really good um no not the mouth <laughs> and then uh what was another one oh, gosh, there's always like a, a couple that i just bring out and it always makes people laugh at it, which is nice it's a little it's a little lightning for the the mood when CFSC starts kind of nerve wracking for some people. That's a really um, good point. Just make them laugh too. That will help them out a lot. Yeah. Well, it's core activation, isn't it? <laughs> good point. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm hitting two birds with one stone on that one. Um, yeah. Brace for, you know, if I have someone who's got siblings or something like that, like, you know, you've been hit in the stomach. Okay, cool. Brace as if you're about to take a punch to the tummy kind of thing. But I, I think you eat your shorts. is my favorite one. <laughs> I might ha- have to, I'm kind of out of the strength and conditioning world. Like I told you, and I, I got to find a way to use that somehow. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I will mean, people fully, laugh, but they totally get it. They're like, Oh yeah, I've done that. Uh, 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 I will fully admit um, you, you mentioned about bracing the, the trunk. There is only maybe one or two clients I've had in my life. I was able to do this. I kind of flinched at their abs with a punch and I go, yeah. did you feel that? That's what I wanted you to do. <laughs> I do not recommend anybody doing that with your clients ever. <clears throat> yeah. And you didn't actually hit them, but you, oh, yeah. yeah. Unless they owe you money. Nice little, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they owe you money, then it's, you know, all bets are off. There you go. Yeah. You just load up the bar and don't spot them. <clears throat> exactly. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's uh, change gears a little bit too. And kind of talk about um, how you kind of started, you know, working with rock tape too, but even before that, you know, how did you start getting into the, the fitness modeling world? How does one even do that? It's just not <laughs> a thing I, I understand at all. Um, <laughs> way back when, <clears throat> and I, I think I mentioned it, I had a very convoluted path to where I am now. Coaching was not a direct 
path at one point I wanted to be a photographer an extreme sports photographer more specifically I just love that world and so I was an assistant for a year and I used to have to stand in to test lighting which I don't know if anyone knows it is awful doing that you stand at a certain spot and the photographer's taking pictures but you're not they're all throwaway photos and they're not looking at you they're looking to see like where the light's hitting your face your hair your arms the exposure all that fun stuff so um I would have to do stuff like that. And my place, as far as I was concerned, was always behind the camera. Um, so one of my, one of my best friends, Emily is an incredible photographer. And she would also jump on some of the bigger shoots with us as an assistant. And she and I were talking, she's like, you know, you should, you should do modeling. I'm like, don't be be ridiculous. That's no, absolutely not. Um, and eventually she wore me down a little bit. She's like, look, there's a, a company in San Francisco and it's, you know, real people talent, which means non-professional talent. Mm. And <clears throat> so I signed up for some reason and you just, it, signing up just means um, for the specific companies, Blackwell Files out of San Francisco, put in all your information, you know, measurements, hair color, eye color, height, weight, all, all that. And anybody can do it. Like my grandma can sign up for it. So Verizon comes calling and they need a 90 year old, Asian lady, she might get called like, Hey, Carol, we need you. Um, but I signed up and then I think two or three years went by and I had been getting emails Mm -hmm. and it's not to me specifically. It's not, Oh my God, Kitter, we need you. It's, Hey, you fit the, you know, kind of the demographic that this company is looking for. Sign up for an audition to come in and do whatever it is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, is encompassed in that audition. And I never opened a single email for years. Cause I was thinking in my mind, it wasn't a legitimate thing, which for whatever, which was silly. Um, cause one, one of my best friends is telling me to do it. She has experience with it. She's like, Hey, <laughs> this is where we actually get a lot of our models for the shoots that we work on together. Like, oh, finally opened one and it was for Sony. I'm like, Oh, I know that company. They're kind of a big deal. Um, and then I read the thing and I happened to have had a day off the same day as auditions like oh god okay i have to go to san francisco i don't really know what the hell an audition is mm. or a go see or whatever you want to call it and it's like hey, screw it i guess i'll go and they you know said wear athletic clothes they're somewhat form-fitting like, okay so drove up to san francisco and walked into a room that was set up for kind of like a white background photo shoot and there's someone sitting at a desk and um I did, what did I do? They, you know, they take some head on shots, you know, front, back, left, right type stuff. And I'm like, okay, can you smile? Don't smile. Uh, hair up, hair down. And then can you, there was an apple box, a little wooden box mm. on the, the white um, background. She's like, can you bring that over and kind of jump on it? Like you're like, you're running on stairs. Okay. Okay. Just do the same thing over and over again. She's like, yeah. And that was it. And they just were taking pictures and, um, I was leaving and the guy at the desk that had never really said anything to me the whole time was like, Hey, do you run? Uh, when I have to, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, I played soccer and <clears throat> was a soccer coach and stuff. So yes, I can run. I run very often. I don't I would call myself a runner though. I would call myself a soccer player. He goes, okay, cool. That was it. <laughs> and eventually they called me back. I, I got the shoot and, like oh my god this is a legitimate operation they had a motorhome they had hair and makeup they had wardrobe they had everything producer um the the photographer had like three or four assistants and this whole rig set up and like holy crap this is real like this isn't just a garage 
setup. This is a, a real thing. And then I was like, well, that was fun. I just ran and I didn't even, that's all I did. Uh, so I went to another audition and it was with specialized bikes. And all I had to do for the audition was ride a bike in uh, Golden Gate Park. I'm like, okay, great. We'll call you or not. If you only find out if you get these things, you don't find out if you didn't, you basically just enough time has gone by. And then, um, guess I didn't get it. So you just leave not happen. knowing until you get a yeah. call. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you hope you get a call. And then you also hope that if you don't get a call, you've forgotten about it at that point. Um, yeah. So the specialized shoot was a two day shoot and it was in Oakland near Lake Merritt and it was super awesome. And, and then I got a couple more with Fitbit and then, uh, Dr. Cody Fowler does a lot of stuff with work with rock tape and he was my introduction to working with rock tape. They were doing, um, a video for, I, I believe it was the, the blade. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, I, you know, do you want to do this video thing for rock tape? I'll, I'll give you like two free treatments and we'll get you some swag. And I was like, cool. I don't, I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, um, so that's, we shot a video and I, I think it's still somewhere in the, YouTube or it might be on Rocky's website still in some way, shape or form. I don't, I haven't looked, but I got that. And then, um, Colin out of the Campbell, well, I guess used to be headquarters. Now it's in Raleigh, right? I, the rock tape is still technically in Campbell, but because okay. we're now under M plus M plus is in Raleigh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Colin from, um, the headquarters in Campbell reached out and was like, Hey, we're doing more shoots. Like, do you want, to um do you want to do it mm-hmm. yeah absolutely you guys are a blast and then we had um there's a couple shoots there and one that was i think two days between campbell and san francisco and um a couple shoots with um dr capo and yeah it's just it's kind of just it happened very organically yeah yeah that's some yeah. of the best stuff it just kind of happens you, know, you look back on it and go oh wait how did that even happen you know yeah <laughs> One of my biggest questions too, especially, I just thought of it this weekend because I was teaching tape mm-hmm. and you're very serious on our slides. You know, you're an athlete, so <laughs> I had to tease you about that. Um, I haven't actually seen those slides. That's probably a weird thing too. Like you, we were just talking about, you don't get, a, you don't get told when you leave. And then how much right. of the material do you really see unless it's like, you know, out there as, as an advertisement or something? Right. Well, the, the funny part was I didn't really know how any of that worked okay. over the first couple of shoots. And, and it, I still forget. I haven't, I've gotten a good amount of work, but not as much as I'd like. So not that super seasoned in this world. Um, I always forget to ask like when the stuff is coming out and mm. where can I find it? Um, they do actually, it would serve me best to put it in a portfolio. Mm. So um, yeah, I haven't, sometimes like people will find it for me which yeah. is how word got out that I was doing this in the first place. I didn't tell anybody okay. four shoots they did or five, even maybe I just like, I didn't tell a single person except for, I mean, my boyfriend at the time we were living together. So he knew. <laughs> and then, um, I think I maybe told my mom. Okay. That was it. I just, I didn't know how to address it. Also I was coaching young girls at the time. So like, I really had to be very solid in my messaging and yeah. really wanted them to understand what I was doing, why I was doing it, how I was doing it. And I wanted to make sure that that had no negative impact on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the, the, the way that the word got out was through one of the Fitbit ads and it was on, I think it was in an email campaign and it was also on their website. And 
a lot of promotional materials that ended up being in like Costco and Brookstone and Sharper Image and Target and just freaking everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, someone will tell me about it or send me a screenshot or yeah, you just kind of, is that, <laughs> is that how you would build your portfolio? Like you legitimately just say, Hey, can you send me that? Or can I get a copy of that? No, I mean, you build your portfolio usually with like test shoots, which just means that the photographer is doing it for free. You're doing it for free, but you're both adding to your portfolio. Okay. Um, but then I do have like a, a work past work portfolio that has you know, Fitbit work in there specialized. Um, and then any of the other companies that I've worked for. So like if I have, those images, I will definitely put them in there so people can see, you know, the final, an actual professional shoot that was paid and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I love that you said, you know, you were coaching young girls, uh, and Mm -hmm. the image you were portraying to them. You know, I, uh, I have a young daughter myself. I was telling you about as well too. And, you know, I'm one of those people, um, like I don't quite understand, a lot of the gender differences that are out there in, in, and I feel like it's in a very naive way. I just don't understand, you know, just because of gender, why treat anybody differently? And, you know, sure. you actually had a really fascinating post a while back that I really loved. And you were talking about humanism, you know, not feminism, or I think you called it manism. I don't know, even know if that was a... I actually Googled it. It was meninism. Is that but a real I don't know term? if that was kind of a, it might've been kind of a... Uh, like a Wikipedia term or whatever. Yeah. Some kind of like cliche term or something like that. But yeah, but there wasn't a direct uh, word for, for men. There is like for, for op- females. Yeah. Like feminism is an opposite word. Right. Yeah. But it was a really profound post and I, I really loved it. You know, I have uh, friends of mine that they started a, a company called uh, Be a Good Human today. And that always drew to, drew to me because it was, it, it said human. It didn't say man, woman, uh, didn't even say person, just human, you know, because yeah. that's ultimately what we are is, um, I'm curious, you know, we all kind of post stuff like that a lot of times when, you know, we have that spark of inspiration, you know, where did that mm-hmm. spark of inspiration come for you? I think, I think when I posted that, it was kind of in response to a couple things and I'd been sitting, it's kind of having those thoughts, for a while, but I hadn't really had much structure to them yet. And I've been having a really wonderful conversations with Dr. Mark Chang about, you know, he has a daughter and a son and, you know, there's a lot of pressure on, on dads to be the kind of, you know, man you would want your daughter to marry, Mm -hmm. but there's no pressure on moms to be the kind of woman you would want your son to marry. Not, no, there's very, very little of that. It's, it's, way overshadowed by you know, well, the, it's almost kind of seen as a cliche it's almost like a joke is like oh i ended up marrying my mother you know like people almost kind of joke at that at that kind of thing but you make a good point we don't really talk about that being something to strive for no there was that and there's also you know i think a, a lot of it did come from these really incredible um very organic conversations with dr mark and he's a total badass i mean the guy's is insane he's just i mean career-wise he's absolutely incredible he's amongst some of the you know most impressive humans on the planet but also he his martial arts savvy and and ability and he is such a student of the arts it is 
unbelievable what he is capable of. And he's, yeah, he doesn't puff his chest. He doesn't prove anything. He's very quiet. He, you know, he's so classy and so graceful all the time. And just like, wow, you could kill everybody in this room. and <laughs> No one knows it. And, you know, there's all these things. So those conversations would come up and then there's a lot of, there's a huge support for females now. And, and I love that. But at the same time, it seems to really come to the detriment to, of men. Mm-hmm. And it's a, you know, girl power and, and screw boys. And it's like, well, why do you, why does you being strong mean that they have to be subdued? I don't Fair understand. Yeah. Because you being strong doesn't mean I have to be any less strong or, or capable or independent or whatever it is. So why is it the other way around? Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of stuff like that comes up and I do get, you know, like, Oh, it's so cool that you're coaching as a female and you're an instructor for CFSD as a female. And I get all these kudos like, well, first of all, I was born this way. So thanks. But I didn't do, I didn't have a lot to do with it. Um, on the other hand, I do see being a female strength coach and fitness coach and soccer coach as being quite an advantage. Yeah. And a lot of times this whole girl power thing is like, Oh, you're at a disadvantage. So you get more kudos for doing less. It's like, well, okay. As a personal trainer or strength coach or, you know, fitness coach, I don't like personal trainer very much. So I use coach interchangeably. Um, I can work with females as a female. I have the same body parts. I understand that boobs are sometimes uncomfortable and they get in the way and how your body feels when you're, you know, uh, on your period and all that fun stuff. But I can also work with a guy who is intimidated by the big dude. Yeah. And I can work with, you know, the big dude who, you know, has lives in that stereotype of being a big, strong dude, but maybe he's got a lot of pain. So he doesn't want to be pushed by someone else, his size or have those expectations. I get to work with everybody and Mm -hmm. it's a pretty easy plug for me. Whereas as a male, you're, you're already at odds a little bit trying to work with females in general. Um, you know, you have to prove that you're going to listen. You have to prove that you understand how she's feeling when she's, you know, on her period, you have to prove all these things you have to prove. So it's a huge advantage. And as a, soccer coach like I can be much harder on my girls than you could because when I yell it's not as scary as when you yell or you know when I'm I'm bringing down the hammer on someone who was a poor sport or something like that I can do that and have a lot less eyes on me because it's girl talking to girl Mm. so my whole thing was like we have this huge if you look at it that way it's a huge advantage and yet we have all this like girl power stuff that almost makes it seem like we're at a disadvantage all the time. And if we're strong, you have to be weak. Yeah. Or if we're loud, you have to be quiet. It's like, why can't just not suck? <laughs> just <laughs> Everybody be good to each other. And I'm just as strong as you, but in different ways. Yeah. And, you know, it just, it was really wearing on me a lot and getting kudos for being a girl in this world. It's like, this is the world I belong in. Yeah. So, don't give me kudos because I'm female here. Give me kudos because I'm doing a great job. Give me kudos yeah. because you, you taught me something and then I took it and ran with it. Or yeah. that's worth celebrating. Not, hey, you're a girl, girl power. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing that really frustrates me. Man, woman doesn't really matter is like, why are you bringing that specific aspect 
of the person into it because it really is irrelevant. It's somebody did a good job. They did a good job because they're skilled at it um, or they worked very hard, whatever. It, why does right. it have anything to do with, with their gender? I have kind of a weird story with that too. We were, yeah. you know, we, I was repla- we were replacing uh, a part of our water heater in our house years ago. And it was um, in kind of an area where my hands couldn't fit, but my wife's hands fit. And she's, I'll fully admit, she's a lot more handy than I am anyways. And she kind of understood that stuff. She went ahead and go, went and just kind of fixed the part and everything like that. I was kind of her helper. And I forget who we were even talking to, but she she was mentioning how she fixed that. And it was a guy and he kind of turned to me and was like, she fixed that. I'm like, yeah, she fixed it. Okay. It got fixed. (laughs) That's, that's what needed to happen. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, my clients live in, um, in the Santa Cruz mountains and same thing is a married couple. And, um, it was really funny that they were telling me about, they, I think they had to get their water tank replaced. Like it, it had to be taken away by like this giant rig thing. And then another one had to be, um, installed and they made sure that the wife was home, not the husband. And I was like, well, why would you do that? What was not that I, just like, why did that was very specific? Why? Like, Oh, because if he's home, they're going to ask for help. They're going to put him to work. (laughs) And if she's home, they're not going to say anything. They're just going to get the job done. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, that's my thing too, is you can look at it. If you look really from both perspectives Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if you get a point for each one, we're mostly even, right? We go to an auto dealership. You're probably going to have less of a hard time than I will. But if I go to a hardware store, I'm going to have a lot more help than you will. And you, you can kind of just, you know, you can keep score. And I really think it does mostly even out at the end of the day. And, I agree. Um, yeah. And, you know, with, and I, do, I don't want to, this is not a negative reaction to, you know, I think girls gone strong is incredible, but where's the boys gone strong? That's true. Whereas, you know, we get a lot of support and, you know, we're, if we have any sort of, traumatic experiences if someone was abusive or or awful we have a lot of support and we're encouraged to speak up we're encouraged to break down we're encouraged to do all this stuff men don't have that mm-hmm. men can be abused in the same ways they can have just as many body issues they can have just as many you know mental emotional physical issues and, and insecurities and stuff like that but you don't have support mm-hmm. you're not encouraged to speak out about it you're not encouraged to to take a stand you're not encouraged to look to someone next to you and say like, Hey, do you, are you dealing with this too? Because so am I. Yeah. So, you're a man. You have you know, to be tough. Absolutely. You're a man. You have to be tough. You're a man. You have to know how to fix the water heater better than your wife does. I'm like, who I said who? Yeah. Better than I love that too. It's like, it's just, it gets re- replaced or it doesn't, you know, um, yeah. as a, as a father of a, a boy and a girl, mm-hmm. I can tell you too, that a lot of the gender, um, um, like the assumptions we make about genders are totally wrong. Mm-hmm. My son is a very sensitive kid. He's extremely empathetic. When his friends are sad, he mm-hmm. gets sad. He wants to give him a hug. He starts to choke up and stuff like that. Like, oh my God. He's like, buddy, what's wrong? He's like, I don't even know. And then my daughter's <laughs> running around going, my butt hurts. And it's like, <laughs> that is a complete flip of what most people assume for those genders. And yes, it's only my yeah. kids, but I've heard that from other parents too, is like, it's very flipped, you know? 
So I don't know where that comes from, but you're absolutely right is it's perspective. And if you can see both perspectives, which really we should be doing with literally everything, Mm -hmm. that's going to help us kind of understand a little bit more. Yeah. And I mean, going back to training on your worst day, I could probably never be stronger than you. So that's just a physical trait of a male body that you're going to be usually thrown around more weight. However, as a female, we generally tend to recover faster. So you can push us harder. We're a little bit better built to survive. <laughs> yeah. And in contrast, so, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, as, as much as you kind of want to compare the two, you can't. They're very strong in very different ways. And there's plenty of examples uh, to the contrary, too. Um, we, we do a particular test in one of our courses and we talk about like hand positioning and there's a difference between men and women. And I always, you know, say it, you know, kind, kind of to make the joke, but also to point out, like, it doesn't really matter is I know plenty of women much stronger than I am because they've trained themselves that way too, you know? So there is a huge component outside of just, this is how you were born. You're male, you're female, therefore stronger, weaker, whatever you want to call it. Like, what about training? What about dedication and work that you've put? into it so there's a lot of things to take into consideration when you talk about that kind of stuff absolutely yeah we got deep we did (laughs) (laughs) i want to go back real quick i was thinking about this um this weekend like uh like i was saying you know teaching tape um Mm -hmm. during those shoots when you're doing i mean you can tell us kind of how many takes or whatever you, you, you call it as far as how many shots you take, how much tape did you have to put on and kind of remove? And, <laughs> that we talk a ton about in our tape class about removing tape and, you know, too yeah. much sensation coming from the tape and stuff like that is, you know, what's the unglamorous side <laughs> of modeling when you have to do stuff like that. And it's like, I can't imagine you were pulling tape off and then reapplying it and then pulling it back off all the time. There's gotta be a, a plan with that kind of stuff. Do you remember any of that? Um, well, I mean, that was the nice part about working with, with the whole rock tape team is everyone's awesome. Like it's, um, it's a really easy day to work with those guys and they're incredible. So you know, when we go into shoot and for a lot of the um, promotional materials and stuff, like Capo is hugely aware of, of everything that he's doing, which is nice. So he's not like throwing tape on like, ah, oh, that's not, no, no. And then rips it off and then puts it on. Like there's usually a plan, yeah. which is great, but there is a lot of putting the tape on and taking it off. I do, however, know that that's what I'm going into. So okay. I will have put on like done my regular thing as far as like putting lotion on. Whereas if I'm going in for treatment, I don't put lotion on so that it can stick a little bit longer. Um, so in that sense, like it's one of the little hacks working with rock tape is I make sure that I put lotion on that day (laughs) and, um, we'll, we'll stick and restick the same piece if we can. Okay. It doesn't hurt as much coming off and it's usually really not that bad, but there were, I think after the shoot we did at headquarters in Campbell and, in San Francisco, there was a lot of taping happening and we, we needed to shoot, um, different ways of taping, different prints. So there's just new tape going on all the time. And I did actually get like a, not a huge rash, but like a little bit of irritation. Sure. <laughs> and I was done I was like, what the hell is, Oh. And then I had like, um, some, some like superficial layers of skin in uh, kind of the rock tape adhesive wiggles. You could still, like, the, yeah, the, the, the waves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Why do I have wiggles on my, Oh yeah. Okay. We, we took off some skin then. All right. Yeah. And nothing was bad. It was just kind of like, wow, you get, I was working with rock tape. <laughs> so the, the adhesive is great. 
What about the pods? Did you have a lot of bruising in different areas? The the cups. It wasn't bad, but I had a lot of funny little marks. <laughs> yeah, like I, I I talk to my students and even patients with that too. Is like I, I we have to explain to them about the mark. We go into yeah. a lot of detail in the course because that's a big thing. And then I'm thinking like you just had it just for the purposes of like taking the pictures for demonstration. And like I can't yeah. imagine how many spots you had all over you. It was pretty funny looking. I mean, nothing stayed on. We weren't actually treating or anything, so nothing stayed on um, <clears throat> for a long period of time. And yeah. you know, it was just on enough to to be there. But yeah, there's definitely a little weird marking happening all over the place. And I remember getting home, and they're like, "Jesus, what? That just what happened?" <laughs> like, yeah, we were just working with the cups, fine, and the pots. <laughs> who, who hit you in a perfect circle? <laughs> I know. I always get that. People are like, did someone hit you? It's, it's a perfect circle. Who hit me like that? Come on. Yeah. I mean, kudos to whoever could pull that off, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Very precise. Yeah. No, it, wasn't, it was not bad bruising at all. It was just like weird little marks all over. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know. I barely remember where all of them went because I haven't seen really any of the, uh, the slides or, or anything like that. So I have no idea. <laughs> To, to be honest with you, uh, it's probably it was probably most of our educational material um, because, really? like I said, I, like I said, like I was joking before, I see you all the time. I've never talked to you before. Yeah. <laughs> um, every class that we have, you're in there somewhere too. Like it's gotten. This is going to sound super creepy, but it's gotten to the point to where like you're doing something quote unquote wrong, uh-huh. uh, and I have to like bring up like. Um, this is Kendra. I've, you know, seen her on Instagram. She's very athletic. She's exaggerating. So please understand if you're finding dysfunction, it's not going to look exactly like that. Right. So it's like, I'm almost like having conversations with you in the class, which is just super weird and creepy. So I apologize for that. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's another interesting thing too. Um, I am not a model, never done it, but I have for my school, like done some, I guess it was promotional uh, photography. Like we were setting up um, patient position and stuff like that. And the photographer was always like telling people to move in different positions. And, and, and one time I was like, I would never stand here for what I'm trying to do. Is that yeah, yeah. like a super difficult part of what you do as a coach being like, yeah, I would never do it this way or teach it that way. Like you get super frustrated. You know, actually it's gotten a lot better. <clears throat> so a lot of the companies that I've worked for with um, fitness modeling, they understand that they are marketing to an athletic crowd, right? So um, Fitbit knows if you run wrong, Fitbit, you know, it's not really going to hit the running demographic because a bunch of runners are going to see it. And they're like, we don't run like that. <laughs> um, so it happens very rarely. And I, I have had a good amount of, you know, the producers and the photographers like, would you do it this way? Or would you not? Because they know that I, I do coach. Like I use my body for a living. I don't just stand in front of a camera and fake run all day. <laughs> um, I did have one thing with a company though, where they wanted to show off the wearable and on like the right hand and then have my right foot in the shot as well. I'm like, well, people don't run that way. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like if I, if my right hand is forward, it's gotta be my left leg. Only giraffes oh. do that. Yeah. And they didn't, That's weird. they didn't understand what I was talking about. So I showed them, Wow. I just, I did a quick little like run and then I did the wrong way. And they're like, Oh yeah, that looks really awful. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's pretty in the picture, but you can't 
you know, this is a running shot. You cannot market it okay. improperly. And they're like, okay, I got it. Yeah. Um, you know, and they do have consultants a lot of the time on bigger shoots. Like there's someone who is a trainer, who is a coach, who, um, you know, does something in the movement world and they're, they're consulting like, that's not a good swing. That's not a good push up. That's not whatever. You'll definitely see the rest of it. Like there was one Fitbit where, um, I don't remember which ad it was for. I wasn't in it, but it was a terrible push up. Mm. It was just not like her, you know, torso was okay, but like her arms were all the way up next to it, <laughs> going straight out. Her body was like a team. Like that's not, a, mm. but they made it, they had to make it work with the, the environment they were working in. Sure. So it happens rarely, but um, yeah, I've gotten pretty lucky in the sense that I haven't had to do anything where I was like, this is so wrong. This is so wrong. <laughs> That's always something I joke about. My wife uh, is, she's very uh, interested in fashion. Mm-hmm. She has, she always jokes about what she calls the emaciated model pose. It's that one with <laughs> hands high on the hip. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> For those of you listening, listening, this is a video recording, so you didn't see it, but it's hands on the hips and like complete like chest cave in and you look like you're about to be sick kind of thing. My wife jokes yeah. about that constantly. And I'm, I've, I've, I've asked, I'm like, you got to go in different positions and like hold them. So it's, it's nice that you get to kind of run and do athletic stuff as well too. But yeah. I mean, it's got to be kind of a workout just to hold positions like that all the time. It is. It's really funny too. Like if we're doing a stair shot and you know, cameras on the right, so they want the right arm forward or maybe they do want the other hand or wherever it is they put you, it's usually a step and then go back and then a step and then go back and then a step and then go back. And you're just doing that as long as it takes to get not only the shot, but you know, so your face has to be the right expression, your hands and body has to do the right thing, but also um, your hair has to go the right way. Your clothes have to not fall in a funky way. Um, cause they can all fix a lot of that in post-production, but it's a huge pain in the ass. So like, let's try to get it right. Um, and in, in that sense, like you're working that same leg <laughs> yeah. for a yeah. while. <laughs> um, and then there are other kind of funky things where it's like, okay, go to the bottom of a push. Can you hold it there? I'm like, yeah, but how long are we going to be here? Um, some of it is, is by the time you're done, you're like, holy crap, that, that was not spray on sweat. That was real. Um, and then other times you get crews and, and stuff like that that are so conscious and so aware. They're like, okay, when we say go do the thing and then you can relax right afterwards. And, and they're very conscious of trying to make sure that they don't destroy you um, and make sure you're okay and stuff like that. But it's not, yeah, it's, it's an odd type of physically demanding. It's a fascinating world to photography with all the angles. And it's just stuff I would never consider. Mm-hmm. when I look at a picture, it's like, oh, you know, this had to be set up just right. There's lighting, there's um, the visual aesthetic of the model, the environment, everything. Like, it's a fascinating world because I don't understand it, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of cool to hear, hear about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's, uh, I was doing a test shoot with a friend and what we were working on was, it was another run thing. I do more than just run, by the way. I actually don't run very much at all. But, don't typecast her. Um, she doesn't just run. <laughs> Not much of a runner, more of a sprinter at best, but he was running like an athlete would. And then there's running that looks good on, on photos. Okay. So I was trying to explain to him, I, I call it the model run. And it's like, this is a good run from you and my perspective, but on camera, it's very lackluster. It doesn't look 
there's nothing about it that really shows off the body or does anything really you know visually appealing. So I did, did this kind of funky bounding run thing. And it's like, it looks silly in person. And if you and I saw someone running by doing that, we'd be like, oh my God, it's Phoebe. <laughs> but really, I was like, look at the still. And it's just yeah. this beautiful running shot. And it's like, oh, that is super weird. Yeah. So some of it is exaggerated and a little bit um, off. You know, it's maybe meant to look more like a sprint than it is a jog. Okay. It looks better. Very cool. If anybody's hearing a drill in the background, that is my office. School's out, so there's no students here, so they're doing a lot of maintenance. But um, <laughs> you seem to have been uh, really working a lot on your online presence. Uh, you've mm-hmm. been uh, doing a lot more with uh, Instagram. Is this something you've been striving mm-hmm. to kind of build up and, and try to uh, create a, a more presence online? Um, yes, but in a I guess kind of a way that is not the most common. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so my, my whole thing is that I, I can't really fake stuff very well, which is ironic. We were just talking about fake running, but um, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I have had a very, really, really wonderful, very positive experience with social media, mm-hmm. but I also control a lot of that. So I don't follow people that make me feel bad about my life. I don't follow people that um, I can't resonate with. I don't, follow stuff that makes me feel like, you know, I'm, I'm less than or, or my life sucks or anything along those lines. And I've had a lot of really incredible connections come out of my social media. My Instagram is really the only one I use. I'm on Facebook technically, but I don't do anything with it. And my whole thing is it is, is that it is my own venue of self, um, self-expression. But I also understand that I have my former athletes, like my soccer girls, that I coached over the last 10 years. Some of them follow me. I have CFSC participants that follow me. I have, you know, Mike Boyle follows me. And then I have my friends and family and um, some really wonderful people that I've never met. And the cool part is like, I get to engage with people I would never otherwise meet or really talk to or have a, a genuine enough conversation or interaction. So I guess I'm working on it in the sense that it makes me very uncomfortable Okay. In a lot of ways, like, I don't know if you've seen, I've, I've done some work talking at my phone, like doing the stories mm-hmm. where I'm just talking to my phone, acting like it's a person. And that just, um, is so unbelievably uncomfortable for me. Anything video related, is very uncomfortable for me. And it actually makes me a better speaker when I'm teaching my CFSE courses. And if I do need to get up in front of a crowd, like hopefully I'll be teaching some courses on communication. Um, I need to be able to know what I look like. I need to be able to know how I sound, what my gestures convey and all that fun stuff. So that's really what kind of talking to the camera is for. Mm-hmm. And then the feedback that I've gotten is people had never heard my voice before. Mm. You know, they've, they've seen me in things or they've, they follow me and like, Oh my God, you, we've never heard you and you don't sound awful. Like that's great. (laughs) Um, But I think through that, it's, that's my own personal development and I've gotten some really wonderful feedback, but also building it up in the sense that, you know, I, I don't see anyone talking about humanism. I don't see anyone talking about how fucking hard it is, sorry, to coach. (laughs) um you know that being a personal trainer is not just a job that you do when you don't know what else to do anymore 
it is a career. It is in a massively impactful, powerful job that you can have. And very few people talk about it outside of, you know, our coaching circles. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my opportunity to do that. Here's my opportunity to give shed light on what it's like to be a personal trainer and support those people in my own tiny way. Yeah. Um, but also to encourage people to, to, which is funny because I use social media to help, to help people. And a lot of people seem to get a very negative thing from others. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to be able to travel. It's cool for others. Like, well, okay. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have any special situations or deals or I don't have any sponsorships or anything like that, but I do travel and I do go places by myself and I do climb mountains and I do all this stuff. Here's me doing it. You can do it too. Um, so that's my biggest driver is that I can use it to be as self-expressive as I feel like I need to be. Yeah. But also to show people like I am not a special specimen with a silver spoon. I don't have a trust fund. I don't have really anything that most people don't have. Yeah. I just do something about it. Yeah. It's kind of that, uh, you see memes sometimes the real Instagram versus reality kind of thing too. Yeah. And it, 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 I appreciate that too, because it is hard as a human being to look at people's posts and go, Oh my God, they have such a great life. They're, you know, they're doing so many cool things and not really understand the, com- the complete picture. And you're right. You know, there's a lot of stuff that everybody can do regardless of kind of what you're seeing on Instagram. And then there's a lot of things that, you know, that whole candid photograph was really put together very meticulously (laughs) and, you know, it was planned that way to look that way too. And I think we get caught Mm -hmm. up in that with just the advent of social media and how popular it is to be online and kind of follow people you've never met before. Yeah. And I've talked about that too, though, is, um, and I've addressed it as well in some of the stories, like my life is not super glamorous most of the time. Yes. I get to go into hair and makeup on it on set which is to me, that is like the greatest thing in the whole world. Someone's <laughs> playing with my face and doing my hair. But, um, it, you know, it's not, I'm not this untouchable. There's, there's, it's very real. Um, you know, I, I sleep in cars. I do dirt bag travel because I can't afford to do fancy travel. It's if you're following people that make you feel like you could never, and it's good for them and Oh, must be nice. You're following wrong people. Yeah. And yes, it's still a highlight reel. I still don't put shitty photos up there. Um, and I don't do close-ups of all the blisters that I get after these big ass hikes. That's disgusting. But I talk about it and I'll, <laughs> I touch on those things. And it's like, yeah, this was a grind. This was super hard, but look at what I get to see now. Or I, Case in point, working on some of the um, talking at the camera videos that I've done, um, I only get to see Mike Boyle like once a year mm. when we're at the Perform Better three day in Long Beach and, and he's on the speaking circuit. Um, but he's been following that and he'll, he'll watch my stories like, oh my God, you've been hiking so much. Or like, where, where are you now? I don't understand. <laughs> um, because he had been watching my videos and I'm working on my eye contact and working on my gestures, working on all these things with regards to communication. Like, Hey, you should go back to speaker school with Thomas Plummer. Mm. Like, Oh God. But then I get to talk about the discomfort there and I'm working on it and people get to see my progression. Yeah. But now I also have this opportunity to go get professional coaching again. 
Yeah. Now they have a little bit of an understanding of the baseline. So it's all kind of very intertwined, I think, with my intentions behind it. Yeah. I understand that too. And, you know, you sound very much like a, a, an extroverted introvert, you know, you can talk yeah. to people, oh. <laughs> but it's something that you kind of have to get yourself into. You'd much rather kind of, kind of keep to yourself. I'm, I'm the same way as, you know, I, I speak publicly for a living. I lecture almost every day, depending on, you know, what courses I'm teaching over the weekend, but ultimately I'd love to just kind of hang out and do my own thing. And there's really three people I want to be around my kids and my wife most of the time. <laughs> yeah. So you know, like that's a big thing that people should probably realize with, with social media, especially is, you know, this is a way for a lot of people to kind of help themselves share a little bit more of themselves and, you know, learn about other people without necessarily having to travel as much and doing it, doing a lot of the grunt work. Yeah, absolutely. So one quick thing I want to get into as well is our uh, mutual love for coffee. Cause you seem to, yeah. uh, you're a lot like me and like I could literally drink coffee every single day and well I, I do uh every yeah. part of the day as well too so I love the, the the coffee post that you're throwing out there I tried to do that myself it's kind of like I'm going to start a little thing where I'm you know going to coffee shops when I travel and, and try mm-hmm. to do that I never did so <laughs> that's a good idea though because I would yeah. absolutely go find your coffee shop as um as I'm in the same place that you posted something for sure but yeah, I'm a, I God, I can't help it. I'm very. <laughs> I'm not a high maintenance person by any stretch of the imagination, but I've totally turned into a coffee snob. I do too, but I don't know enough about coffee. But I know what is good and what I don't. Yeah, want. You know what I mean? <laughs> basically, if it yeah, like Starbucks makes, makes my mouth feel dirty, which is I guess you know the the extent of my snobbery. So if it's not Starbucks, it's probably good. <laughs> Now, are you now they have fancy places like fancy Starbucks? Well, are you, (coughs) um, like absolutely won't, won't ever go there or like, that's the only thing that's around. I really want coffee. Oh, well I have coffee every day. So if it's the only thing, like we're going to Starbucks and I'm I'm not going to be, you're you're totally not a snob. You're, you just love coffee. That's what it is. Yeah, I do. But it's like, like if it's a really, if it's Verve or something or a place that, you know, we sell Verve coffee, it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> get so excited or if there's you know fancy car I, I, I will bring good coffee when i go camping or car oh, yeah. camping or something along those lines it's like damn it <laughs> i do although i do like the instant coffee by four sigmatic so what's I it what's it called the four is it sigmatic or stigmatic one of the two um they do a lot of the mushroom uh infused like instant coffees or, or mushroom kind of little powdered yeah. additives yeah. Yeah. I heard of that. Yeah. I, I do their instant coffee, which is funny. Okay. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm a coffee fan. <laughs> oh, it's great. I mean, I got my French press every morning. I've got a French press in my office. I have a friend who's go. roasting his own beans now. And I'm like, I'm going to come over every day and <laughs> just, yes, it's fantastic. getting that stuff. Oh yeah. You like quality. That's all it is. Right. I do. I, I like few things, but I like good quality things. So good coffee. Yeah, <laughs> kind of a, <laughs> a staple to everyday life. <laughs> but the fun that? part is like when I post this stuff, um, random people or, or friends will, will be like, Oh, you're in Chicago. There's this really awesome coffee shop. I'm like sold. Where is it? <laughs> That's really what I do. Traveling. When I, 
that's when I do what I do when I travel. Cause you know, as much as I probably don't end up just kind of chilling at a coffee shop, at least I'll go get some coffee. I look mm-hmm. for the nice coffee shop in, in, in wherever I'm, I'm going. Um, oh, sometimes yeah. you can't find one and it stinks, you know, like, uh, I was out in, uh, upstate New York years ago, right around the Syracuse area. I, I think I literally found the border where Starbucks ends and Dunkin' Donuts begins because the Northeast oh loves Dunkin' Donuts. It's like yeah, right around Syracuse. What's up? It's a big deal. Dunkin' Donuts is such a huge deal over there. And oh I got to, I got to be honest. I don't want to, you know, nobody get mad at me for anything like that. But I, I never liked Dunkin' Donuts coffee personally. I, I just couldn't drink it. I don't get it. I really. <laughs> I, really, I mean, we did our internship in in Massachusetts, and it's everywhere. Everywhere. And right everyone, across the street you know, from each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's like two or three within, you know, throwing distance. And they're like, Oh, you got to get Dunkin' coffee. Like America's coffee. I'm like, okay, this is great. I'm so excited. It was very lackluster. <laughs> like I'll drink it cause it's coffee, but I'm not particularly in love with it. Yeah. <laughs> you're lamenting about it as you're pouring it down. Yeah. I didn't pour it. Down. I didn't pour it down the drain and I didn't throw it away. Like I'm still going to drink it. As you're drinking it, but you're complaining about it at the same time. Yeah, I get that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> well, Kendra, why don't you uh, let everybody know kind of where they can follow you on social media, um, if there's any, um, you know, other venues to kind of reach out to you and uh, get the opportunity to kind of talk to you about what you've been doing. Where can people find you? Um, really, the only channel I use currently is Instagram. So mm-hmm. my handle is just my name. It's at Kendra Sato, S-A-T-O. Um, and I do respond to messages. Um, again, I've been really lucky. Like I'm not, I, I have like 1700 followers. I'm not a big deal on Instagram. Um, but you know, it's, it's really cool when people just take a shot in the dark, like, Hey, I love your stuff. This is really cool. And then I respond like when I do stuff like that to the big deal people, or even people who, um, say something that really resonates with me, like it's super sweet to get a response and it's super powerful. Like, wow, you're all the way in where are you? And now we get to have a conversation. Um, so that's kind of my attitude with that. But, um, yeah, Instagram is pretty much the only spot. I'm super active. Facebook. I technically, again, I'm alive. So I don't know if you can hear my brother, my sister's dog. (laughs) Um, I think there's a squirrel outside. Uh, yeah. So, so find me there. Um, otherwise if I'm at a conference, I go to the perform better conferences. I will actually be at Rockstock this year. Will you? First time, I will. We'll get to meet. <laughs> I had a feeling you'd be there. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, actually going to be teaching, so you can see how uncomfortable I get in front of teaching crowds. Too. And I'll just be right there like, I know it. I get it. I don't, <laughs> I've never been on a big stage, but I can totally empathize. I don't um, know how to so people. Like. Yeah, if you wanted to say hi, like, come say hi. Don't bite. I'm not a mean person. Well, let's uh, cheap plug Rockstock. Everybody go to Rockstock so you can make it. Right? <laughs> go <laughs> although i will try to be a wallflower capo did say like you know you'd be a celebrity there i'm like i'm not the whole thing about <laughs> modeling is like you're not supposed to know who i am <laughs> you know it brings up a, a interesting question like if you saw like yourself on one of the promotional materials what kind of reaction mm-hmm. does that evoke from you i so like that's only happened in really small ways so far okay. Okay. Um, you know, like there's a little, a little running thing at the Costco in town and I walk past like, Oh, that's weird. Um, you walk past but it's it. Never been, on, it's never been on something big. Okay. I've, I've had actually friends tell me like, Oh, you should stand next to it and see if anyone notices. I'm like who, 
and no one looks at an ad and says, oh, that looks like you. Like, ever. You a lot of people even see the people. A lot of people will look at the ad and then look at you and be like, that's not you. Because they just don't want to believe yeah. it, too. So it's like, what's the point in standing next to it the whole time? Well, how often do you ever see someone in any situation where you're like, oh, that's, you're on the thing. Unless yeah. you live in certain spots of LA or New York, maybe I'm guessing that could be the only time it really happens. But and also, I don't know. What's your response to that? Yeah. Bye. <laughs> I get really embarrassed. <laughs> yes. And as, as Steve and I were talking about it, I'm like, oh my God, I don't, I don't know how to handle that. Yeah. Or even I'm hoping really that he's just kind of blowing it up into something bigger than it could ever be. Um, so I don't think I'll actually have to really deal with it, but you do go to kind of like, Oh God, well, what if people are like, Hey, you're on the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I get, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. They taped me up and took pictures. <laughs> yep. Cool. Uh, thanks for showing up. See ya. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll probably have a better answer after the rock stock happens in two weeks or a couple we'll weeks. See, but. I'm going to like be analyzing. It's just looking at your reaction every time someone kind of passes by and just see like, what's going on? How she yeah. writing it down. Like I'm investigating, like I'm going to publish a paper on it or something like that. I'll probably, if I'm blushing, that's probably what's going on. I get really, <laughs> really embarrassed. <laughs> I'll try to own it, but honestly, like it's gonna, oh yeah, it's gonna be embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, if anything, fake it, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, Kendra, thank you again so much for taking the time. Uh, great conversation. I learned uh, a ton of really cool stuff. You know, a lot of, like I said, not a world I live in with the modeling world and really interesting to see kind of, you know, your history with coaching and some of the really great stuff you're doing with your athletes too. So, uh, everybody, uh, make sure you check out Kendra at Kendra Sato on, uh, Instagram. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want to see more Kendra, go take a rock tape class. <laughs> plug nice awesome cool but hey, yeah, look at that. if you want to uh kind of put a face to the voice uh kendra will be at uh rockstock are you gonna be there both days yes i will it's in huntington beach california so it's close to you right yeah it's um i think a five or six hour drive and then i'll be staying with a friend so cool yeah. it's a beautiful place too <laughs> so it's a nice reason to go to huntington I'm going to be driving from uh, LAX, so I'm actually really, in- really looking forward to the drive down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Out of the insanity. Well, well I'm, hopefully, hopefully there's a scenic view because I live in the Plain States and there's nothing to look at. So. Oh, it's gorgeous. Have you not been before? I've been to no, California, think- but I've never gotten the opportunity to kind of drive down the coast. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. It's, take your time with it. It's going to be phenomenal. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Kendra, so much. I appreciate the time. uh, And this was a great conversation. And I look forward to seeing you at Rockstar. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. (laughs) 